Welcome to the Apple of Truth, a weekly podcast where we cover every single episode of Lucifer while exploring potholes and diving deep into all the details you never knew you needed. I'm Vero. And I'm Lena. And we not only share a deep love for the show and its creators, but also for our glorious patrons who enrich our lives on more than one level. Today we're talking about Season 3, Episode 4, What Would Lucifer Do? Which, of course, is a snow clone of What Would Jesus Do? What is a snow clone, you ask? Well, a snow clone is a cliché and phrasal template that can be used and recognized in multiple variants. The term was coined as a neologism in 2004, derived from journalistic clichés that refer to the number of Eskimo words for snow. That's adorable. Thank you. Thank you. I did not know that. <laughs> I'm very excited about this new information. Also, if you want to know where the phrase what would Jesus do actually came from, you need to listen to the bonus material because let me tell you, there's more to it than you might have expected. There always is, especially if you look into it. In this episode, Lucifer tries to prove a point, Amenadiel tries to be Lucifer, Chloe tries to stand up for herself. Only one of the three succeeds. Spoiler it's Chloe. Is it though? Yeah. Let's talk about it when we talk about it. Never mind. Let's talk about the obsession of the week. This is gonna be a fun episode. The obsession of the week, for me, of Lucifer, is Lucifer. No. And I tell you why I have written it down. It's one, he is trying to prove that he is what he used to be. No. Even though it's wrong. And two, he has convinced Ames to be him. I disagree with everything you said. And this episode is going to be horrible. I apologize in advance. So the obsession of the week for Lucifer is change or rather the inability to change. Yeah, you win this one. And I also disagree with what you said that he is trying to prove that he is what he is because he's trying to prove that he is evil, which is explicitly what he has said in the past that he is not. So we have a fifth time return writer in Jason Ning, who wrote season one, episode three, would be Prince of Darkness. Nyeh. Season 1, Episode 6, Favorite Son, that's the one with the biker gang and the wing container. Season 2, Episode 5, Weaponizer, where Uriel showed up. And Season 2, Episode 16, which is God Johnson. So my expectations for this episode were high as fuck, because God Johnson and Weaponizer, great, 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 amazing episodes. And this is part of the reason why I was so devastated that I did not like this episode. Also, we have third time returning director, Eagle Egelson. He was good though, wasn't he? I just love the name. I hope I said it right. <laughs> and he directed season one, episode eight, A2, Doctor, and season two, episode six, Monster. Which was one of your favorites, yeah. Yeah, and also direction-wise was amazing. So directing in this episode, definitely not the issue with the episode. It was beautiful. We have once more Lucifer say the episode title. I'm counting three out of three because I'm ignoring the originally season two episode. Episodes. Mm -hmm. Previously on Lucifer. It is time. Lucifer got his wings back against his will. His devil face is gone. Pierce is being a dick to Chloe. Ames is being a baby about what Lucy does. And now considers Lucifer being his test. And Lucifer is back doing favors. Oh boy. Which brings us directly into the first scene. Which I called caught in the act. 
I have simply called it infidelity. And as per usual, kick off this episode with a song called Chain Smoking by Jacob Banks. I feel like I've said that name before. I did not double check if he's a repeat artist, but it feels familiar. So I'm gonna go with yes. I didn't even notice the song because I was so distracted by the fact that when Lucifer goes downstairs, he puts on Lexi's robe. Ah, he looks great. And it's just so pretty and it looks so good on him. That's basically the only thing I focused on in this scene. So this starts out and obviously him getting a favor out of a judge is pretty much a Chekhov's gun, right? Yes. So to me, the question wasn't about, is he going to use him? The question was, is he getting deliberately favor from a judge? Is this how he operates in order to do something specific? Or is he just doing it because he wants to have him in his pocket? That was my question rather than anything else. Second one, definitely the second one. Yes, well, with how the episode developed, yes, it ended up being that. But in that moment... I would not be surprised that he would have something specific in mind because he is trying to deal with the sinner man after all. Which I felt in this episode was completely irrelevant. There was no mention, no reference, no nothing. Yeah. Completely no connection to the sinner man and I was very, very confused and angry. There was a lot of things in this episode which felt a bit off timeline-wise. Yes. And speaking of feeling off, that this worked. What Lucifer did with the judge felt very off to me. That made no sense. I think the reason this worked is because of his powers. But usually his power brings out the desire of someone else. He doesn't manipulate them further on. Oh, I was... I did touch upon this in my notes. Was... Uh, it was rather, what would he do if the judge's desire would be something else? And I think that he would have handled it differently. But I think that by drawing the desire of the guy being he didn't really want to be with his wife. So he agrees that Lucifer is just going to keep screwing with his wife so he can I think... reconnect with his ex-wife. It just it made no sense to me. I think that as a distraction type of a thing, I did not have an issue with that. Okay. I must confess that I read the summary for the episode in preparation for my notes since the official summary includes a horrible sentence that I never wanted to read. Please share. Which is, meanwhile, Chloe questions Pierce's feelings towards her. I was already extremely against everything happening in this episode. That whole thing. Exactly. Ah. So even before we get to Pierce, I was already in a rather negative mindset. Mm -hmm. And so having the judge being like, yeah, sure, you're gonna fuck my wife and I'm gonna reconnect with my ex wife i was just like Ugh. moving on to the next scene which i just called pierce being pierce mm. <laughs> your face says everything i don't want to say he's just being such a dick they call him out to each other afterwards in a later scene and they actually use the word dick which is what we've been saying since episode one so yeah. thank you for that satisfaction which hasn't happened yet because yet i don't get satisfaction because chloe is so over eager she's like a puppy and it just grates on me i understand that this is annoying and she is annoying and these things are annoying
annoying. But this is the bit where I understand where she's coming from. I still understand her character development. Her trying to please her new boss in order to for him not to be such a dick to her is understandable and I understand the character's development and why she's doing it. Yes. The things that happen later, I have issues with. Yes and no. This situation is just sending me into a big ball of rage because I understand that he has a reason of not doing it, but or not giving her the position, but the way he handles the situation, it's just bullshit. And this is a harassment, and I don't know how you call when boss is mean to you, but there should be laws against that. Aren't there laws against that? No, but it is very bad leadership to use the I don't have to explain myself to you card. It's bullshit. If you are leading people, you should not use because period as or because i said so and so this just shows to me that pierce is a shit boss yes that he is and then we have this weirdest moment where ella starts insinuating that there is a sex energy between chloe and pierce and i'm like are we 12 are we back in like school and we're 12 oh no the childishness is not the biggest issue i have with this No, that I mean because I'm into you is school-age behavior. But also that's the behavior that we need to fucking stop supporting because no, 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 no. Yeah, exactly. This is not what we want to teach our children. It's not okay. Not just our children, everyone. Just because someone is a dick to you doesn't mean it's sexy or mysterious or whatever. It's just shit. Yes, I agree with that. The only possible reason they could have had to get Ella suddenly out of nowhere starting to talk about sex energy is that they are trying to set up a relationship and they're doing it very badly. That's enough about this scene. Because now we move on to the title drop scene, WWLD. What would Lucifer do? Mm. And this is yet another frustrating scene for me. Really? This is one of the few scenes I actually liked. The beginning of Ames showing up like that, having the whole speech about, oh, but you are my task, you are my test. Like, why? Yeah, and then he goes like, I have no idea what I'm doing. I seriously love the him coming in all holier than thou I have found my mission and then realizing I have no idea what the fuck I'm actually supposed to be doing oh I get that the reason why I hate it it's because I just hate Ames in this episode a lot really yeah he's just extremely annoying except for that one bit at the very end I was so annoyed with so many characters this episode Ames is one of my least complaints and when he decides to mimic Lucifer to walk a mile in his Italian loafers as Lucifer puts it and a man at ear goes tell me how to Lucifer my heart that is pretty cute warmed a bit yeah also Lucifer's willingness to instantly give a man at ear access to his wardrobe his social media his everything obviously with the expectation that a man at ear would fail and it would be hilarious to watch but still he immediately opened up his 
entire life to his brother, which is kind of precious. It is kind of precious if you look at it that way. I saw it more like he's been waiting to give Ames a makeover since the first moment that Emmanuel entered Earth. And finally it's happening. <laughs> it's so funny. Also, I want to point this out because I know that you've mentioned a few times in the past that you didn't like how they started leaning Lucifer towards women only. And Lucifer mentions that he has Grinder on his phone, which, of course, is a gay up. So, yay for Lucy's pansexuality still being alive. It's nice to know that he's still on Grinder. It would be even nicer if we actually ever saw him engaging with a man. Well, yes, but that is a different story. I know what you're saying, but I'm pointing it out because they are trying to take a step into the right direction. Yes, I appreciate the Grinder mention, but I still stand by what I said. It would be much nicer if we actually ever saw him engaging with a man. That is true. It's been a while. We get the title drop, which is very nicely done. Always ask yourself, WWLD. Very, very nice. And also, it is so obvious that this is gonna go so, so horribly wrong. I can't wait. And it's it's beautiful and I love it and I hate it and it's perfect. Yes, fine. The beginning is not as great, but it warmed up to me by the end of this scene. I agree. Well, in the next scene, the world gets a little bit better because we see horses. Also, we see a dead body, but we see horses. And Lucifer runs to the crime scene and we find out that we are at a rehab center for rich children. Transformational center. But he is weirdly intrigued by this. And this is where my struggle with this episode starts, I want to say, in the sense of Lucifer. Because I wasn't sure after the previous episode where all of this is coming from. Same. And I think this is very much based on the fact that they put the Mace episode in here and it wasn't meant to be here. Yes. Like before this. Because suddenly we got a look into this completely amazing... Positive dynamic between Lucifer and Chloe that worked really well for one episode and then suddenly out of nowhere we're back below zero we're not even back to zero backwards it's worse than ever it's so bad Chloe is frustrated with Lucifer Lucifer is being completely ignorant and I didn't understand why he was so all over it took me at least 20 minutes to realize what is pissing him off so much and why he keeps going on about people don't change It took me that long. So that is something that I have big issues with. I still don't know why. We're going to talk about this at the very end, but... Yeah. It still makes no sense to me even after the episode was finished. And I repeatedly have the question, why is Lucifer so obsessed with this? I think that I managed to figure it out by the end of the episode. We're going to see. We'll get to it. I have more issues than just... Lucifer's obsession with this scene. Mm -hmm. In the second scene, we have Ella and Chloe leaving basically together from the precinct and yet... Chloe seems to know nothing about the crime scene while Ella seems to have already spent time there. So Chloe asking all these questions, did she drown, murder weapon, yada yada. It's like, guys, you arrived together at this crime scene. What the fuck was Chloe doing while Ella was processing the scene? Talking to people? But Ella is the one who knows who the dude is walking up to them. Ella knows who the person is that is dead and Chloe doesn't seem to know anything which is not an issue when she arrives 
after Ella. But yeah. they left the precinct together. Chloe didn't take like a, a coffee break or something. Maybe she did take a break in front of a mirror talking herself up after being smushed down by Pierce. Like if there had been a cut scene or something in between, then I would be more forgiving. But this makes no sense to me. I understand that, yeah. I was very much like, yo, what the fuck? You are making Chloe more cringe and less competent than she is supposed to be. Give me my fucking competent Chloe. Because she is so competent. And now she's like eager to please and bad at her job. And I'm just like, what? I was very, very angry at this point already. Mm. And then it just got worse. Because right after the title card, we get... It's a stepping stone path to healing that the... I forgot his name. I didn't write his name down. The guy who runs this establishment. When he explains like with the privileges and yada yada. And that just sounds so, so esoteric and pseudoscience and everything. And I'm just like... Inside of my mind, I checked out of this episode at this point. Yeah. There was this one thing that kind of caught me a little bit in this scene. And that was the projection that Lucifer decided to go with. And that was the wings. It was so obvious that I was... Well, yes, it was obvious. But I kind of like that this is what he latched onto. Where he says, you're making the rebellious souls change. And then you reward them by giving them wings. Which that is some masterful creation of projection as Lucifer has gotten very very good at this that was just something that kind of caught me in that scene that he has managed to take a pin and made it into his body image a personal affront That is true. That is true. So that was kind of fun. By the end of the scene, we find out that Tyson, the boy who owns the murder weapon, is gone. And my guess at this stage was that he is either dead or he ran away. My guess is he is either dead or innocent. Yeah, it's the same thing that I said. (laughs) I did not think he was guilty at all. He was either dead or he ran away. I'm just gonna let it stand there. (laughs) Okay. We move on to the scene that you probably hate. Oh no, it's hilarious. Okay. It's hilarious because it's so, so, so bad. Everything about this scene is so extremely bad. It's so that cringy. I had great fun. I was it's laughing. so awkward. <sighs> so you, first of all, start with a song by Big Boy featuring Trosé called Chocolate, which... If you listen to the lyrics, it feels like it's pretty much about a stripper and probably a black stripper and this guy trying to get money to pay for his black stripper and then talks about them being sweet and tasty and stretchy and it's gross. It's just very, very gross. Yes, exactly. That's just, just, that face. That just makes it so much worse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As hilarious as the awkwardness with Ames trying to hit on people was, it was so obvious to me that the woman that approaches Ames at the end of the scene was either a sex worker or a plant. Like, I also considered the possibility that Lucifer had called a former sex partner to be nice to Ames. Like, basically the, hey, I have this hot brother... Maybe can you do me a favor and uh, give him a good time or something. Which, of course, Lucifer is not in the right mindset in this episode, but I would have appreciated this as well. That would have been fun. Didn't gross my mind, but that would have been fun. 
moving on to finally it being acknowledged that Pierce is a huge fucking dick to everyone. Speaking of dicks, especially to Chloe. Yeah. As Chloe says, his dickishness towards her seems to be way stronger than against anybody else. Well, if Ella is correct, his dick is more interested in her than in anyone else. And I think I just threw up in my mouth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If we were in the same room, I would probably punch you. And you would be right to do so. Mm-hmm. There is one sentence that Chloe says that kind of through me again and that's where she says if he has a problem with me I want to fix it and I was like really because you seem pretty mad why would you want to fix it if I would expect her to say if he has a problem with me he needs to tell me or I'm gonna confront him or something like that not I want to fix it it's just this just sounded wrong and not Chloe like yeah giving her mind state yeah this does not sound Chloe. And that's why I say she's like a puppy. She wants to please, which does not fit the picture of Chloe that I have come to expect. Like you said, I would have expected her to be, if he has a problem with me, he needs to fucking talk to me. Yeah, something like that. I mean, she doesn't swear, but you get my gist. Yes. So I was really, really angry. Speaking of sentences, Lucifer telling Chloe that she has come to depend on him is gonna bite him in the ass and it immediately does. Also, ouchie. Yes. Not smart, Lucifer. Not (laughs) smart. (laughs) But just before he actually walks up to the table, there is a moment where I was wondering whether Dan is gonna actually rat Pierce out about Lucifer to Chloe, as in if he's gonna tell her that Pierce asked for the files. And did he actually give him the files? Because I don't think we've seen him doing that. We haven't seen it, but I work under that assumption at this point. Yeah, I'd say so, but it just wasn't completely clear in this episode. It has not been confirmed yet. Ugh. And then we get the moment where Chloe specifically asks Lucifer not to get involved. And and he knows a judge. So it's clear that he's going to get involved because this is why we had scene number one. Of course. My only note for the next scene is, but of course, Lucy does what Lucy wants. My only note, why was this scene in there? It's completely irrelevant. It could have done, it could have been done off screen. And the judge, having said that his ex engages his mind and that's why he misses her. And then they're playing Go Fish. Like, really? That's engaging your mind with your ex-wife? Maybe they're having a conversation while playing the game. Yeah, no. I did not have an issue with that. I found it as being a rather callback to a slower audience. I found these 80 seconds completely irrelevant, so I could have done without them. I'm sure it would still make sense. But that brings us to the parking lot and also... To the Fast and Furious reference you did not catch. Yeah, and also to my favorite song of the episode, which I am talking about in a very slight detail in the bonus. It's not that I have focused more on the artist rather than the song itself. Just FYI. Also, in this scene, we have the moment where Tyson goes, I'd rather die, which... Sorry, not the smartest thing to say when Lucifer is right next to you. (laughs) That is true. Also, you didn't tell me the reference. What's the reference? Lucifer does the how Vin Diesel of you. How very Vin Diesel or something. And 
oh. Vin Diesel is the main character in the Fast oh. and the Furious franchise. Okay, I did not catch that. Sorry. I was actually quite glad that Lucifer did find the kid for himself and not for Chloe because at least it kind of feels like he didn't get Chloe in trouble with, you know, law. <laughs> with Pierce. Yeah, I mean, yes. And also he obviously uses methods that are not very police-like, so it's good that Chloe's not there. Yes. They are, however, very Lucy-like, which I kind of miss his behavior like that. His complete irrational... Him dangling the dude out of the open door of the car. Peak Lucifer, absolutely there for it. Exactly. Those little moments are absolutely great. The moments where he goes on a rampage about people don't change and bullshit like that, that's where it goes off trails for me. Yeah. But those little moments where he dangles a dude off a cliff or when great. he drives quickly around uh, the serpentines in LA while the song playing is named Drive Like Lightning, Crash Like Thunder is like brilliant. It's very Lucifer, very spot on. But also the dangling the dude out of the open corridor felt very much season one, episode one with the musician that he dangles over the balcony. Yeah. I mean, you say musician. Yeah, sorry. It was hip hopper. He was, yeah. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> Moving on to the interrogation. This is the second or third time that I complain about Lucifer being extremely repetitive. Once bad, always bad. Vero, I have a question. Go for it. Why is Lucifer such a dick in this episode? <laughs> like, even if he has his existential crisis, even if we ignore the fact that episode three wasn't part of season three, the end of episode two did not leave us with a dickish Lucifer. Well, it left us with Lucifer that has tried to cut off his wings on multiple occasions and it didn't work out for him and it keeps coming back. So he's kind of like devil may care approach now. Kind of makes sense. But that doesn't explain why he's a dick. He's genuinely being an asshole. Yeah. But he's, he's never been this mean. I think it's just frustration. You know, the same way that we get frustrated with this episode and longer we watch it, more frustrated we are and meaner we tend to be. The same way he is frustrated, I think I just drowned Lena on her... F you are probably more accurate than I want you to be. <laughs> but yet the same way as we are frustrated yeah. he gets more and more frustrated every single time he needs to go through the painful process of cutting off his wings the same way that as we have to go through the painful process of watching scene by scene it's a perfect allegory well it's not perfect but it's very very good and much better than this episode deserves so I tip my invisible head to you but not everything about this scene is horrible Everything that happens inside the interrogation room is horrible. But things that happen in the watch room for the interrogation room? Amazing. I mean, it's super obvious that it's definitely a manadeal writing to Dan. <laughs> it's so funny, though. And I just oh love God. it. I just love it. I did not expect him to be in jail. I thought he was going to ask Dan for advice. Okay, that would have been boring, though. Yeah, so it turns out even better. But I absolutely adore that Dan is texting buddies with a Deal and that he's instant going to help out his buddy, even though he's being chastised for it by his boss. See, and this is a relationship that makes sense. Yes. 
one of a few in this episode. Yes. And I'm totally here for the Dan Amenadiel bromance and I love it. And I'm so happy that those two are friends. Yeah. This is not the only thing that happens in this scene, though. No. <laughs> so it all starts with them being extremely divided about the case, which is not a usual thing between Chloe and Lucifer. But Lucifer is blinded by his projection. Which has happened in the past. But Chloe is blinded by her lack of confidence. Yes. Which is the problem here, because normally yes. she would just use her abilities and self-confidence to guide Lucifer into the direction that she needs him in. And by being self-confident, she would be able to lead Lucifer. But because she is so unsure of herself, Lucifer is just running wild. He's just like a headless chicken. Yes. He's like a child that you let into a ball pit for the first time. And then he runs into the interrogation room and he starts threatening Tyson. And Chloe tells him to stop. Of course Chloe tells him to stop. And then Pierce says... The worst possible thing. The worst possible thing. And that is that Lucifer is good influence. Ah, and now the entire segue that we cut makes sense. Awesome. Yes, exactly. Anything else for this scene, my dear? No. Perfect. We go back to the Firehawk range. I mostly focus on Lucifer's drawing board, which, by the way, is totally freeze frame worthy. But the most important question I ask myself is, did Lucifer make this board himself? Like, did he draw everything himself? Yes, I'm pretty sure he did. And the smiling faces and everything. It's so good. I love the board. Everything is beautiful about the board. All the little images and text and everything. Mm -hmm. And then he flips it over. And like he had prepared more material, but he doesn't get to deliver on it. Because his future prized pupil is just like, hey, I have something to show you. And then they walk off to the marijuana plantage thingy. Mm -hmm. And I was kind of disappointed Wheat. for Lucifer that he did get to finish his prep presentation. I wanted to know how to deal drugs. I mean, I wanted to know how Lucifer <laughs> presents how to deal drugs. How to sell drugs online fast is all I say. So there is a... It's a Netflix a... show for those who didn't catch that. <clears throat> Sorry. The, thank you. I did not. Before we get to the harvest, there was a song playing where... I actually know what it is and it's extremely funny because it's by Sir Sly and it's called High and it is pretty much a song that is about getting high and escaping the devil by getting high. The first part was obvious, the second part I did not see coming. It's a fun song. It was shortlisted. I have to say I usually don't listen that much to the lyrics of all those songs, but somehow this time I did. It seems we and should start that because it they, was worth it. They seem I to be think worth it. This this episode I think was extra special juicy for this, so Well, something had to be juicy because the writing sure wasn't. Oh burn. So now we have the plantage weed thingy and the kids just harvest it all and immediately start processing it. And so obviously I have no idea about how weed works because why would I? I don't know what you're talking about. What's weed? Exactly. But... <laughs> what I'm horse? I'm pretty sure that there is a rather lengthy drying process. And to me, it seemed like his whole operation had all the stages from harvesting to ready product in just half a day. 
Well, they can't just give you a manual to how to grow and deal drugs on American television. True, but still I found it very confusing. And at this point of the episode, I was just, I understand and I am aware that this is a show and that this show is not supposed to be like realistic and everything. But at this point, we're so far off any remotely realistically beaten track that I am incapable of suspending my disbelief anymore. I have a way to help you out with this. Yes, please. This is an alternative universe to ours. And in that universe, yes. wheat is instantly com- consumable. Yes. yes. All right. I'm going to go with that because it's better than anything else in my brain. And also at the very end of the range conglomeration of scenes is the horse. The best part of the body. What horse? Exactly. <laughs> I was hoping for you to go when I say is the horse to go what horse. But I can, I can cut it together. You can cut it. You can cut it. <laughs> The horse definitely by far the best thing about the episode up to this moment. So what horse? <laughs> I will say it every single time. Never mind. Let's go move on. However, have you seen how glassy Lucifer's eyes are? He's completely stoned. It's hilarious. Also, how ironic it is that he Isn't it ironic? Don't you think? Are you reading my notes? No. That the first thing he chants at the children while he is smoking a joint is don't get high on your own supply. Which is very which is very Lucifer, let's be honest. It's extremely Lucifer and I'm loving it. We go back to the cringy storyline with Amenadiel, who is now in jail because... Da-da! I was right. She was a sex worker. And Amenadiel being the wonderfully naive and still not competent in human ways had no idea and it's played very, very detailed and cringy and painful. But Dan's performance, or rather... um, Kevin Alejandro. Kevin's performance as Dan saves this scene for me because Dan is simply the best human in this episode. He, at the same time, has amusement about the situation, but he's also not actively judging. Like, he is helping, he's understanding, but he's also being honest in the way he reacts to it. And I'm very much there for human Dan. And human Dan is good. He's a good human. I love him. We like Dan. Yeah, we like Dan A sentence I never saw myself saying. He's come a long, long way and he's yeah. done good. He is not Detective Douche anymore. And then we go back to the precinct and speaking of glassy-eyed Lucifer, Lucifer has the munchies. And now I have to say, holy shit, how strong was that wheat that he got from there? Because in the past, he had to work so hard to stay drunk or high by constantly consuming cocaine and what else? Well, Chloe has been there with him every step of the way, so... Ooh, so he not only gets vulnerable when she's around, but also drugs work stronger? Well, I mean, that would explain the one with God Johnson. Right, because they're the pills also work yeah. much stronger with him. Mm-hmm. You're absolutely right. It's super obvious. I agree with everything you said. I'm sorry. Please disregard. <laughs> Continue. Can you just cut this out and then put it after every single scene? No. Damn it. Well, my issue in this scene, I feel like I've been saying this a lot tonight, is I'm wondering what is 
Pierce's endgame at this moment because him entertaining Lucifer and his approaches over Chloe so bluntly in her face, it feels like he is doing everything in his power to piss to Chloe off. Either piss her off or degrade her in on some level, or I'm not really sure what his try what his endgame is. Because yeah. what is he hoping to achieve by supporting Lucifer's Luciferness? <laughs> and Very putting old. Chloe down so much, especially in front of Lucifer, especially as her superior. It's just, yeah. I don't understand. It makes absolutely no sense because now he likes everything Lucifer does and in the beginning he couldn't stand him. And it's there seems weird. to be absolutely no animosity anymore from Pierce toward Lucifer without any reasoning. And so, of course, we don't know if there has been anything happening off screen because... Now they're buddies working to catch the Sinner Man or something. I don't know. But it makes no sense and I hate it. Yeah, it's not great. And then we get another move in the plot where we have the typical Carl is not gonna talk and then Carla shows up and says, I wanna talk. Which is a very Lucifer thing to do. It is slightly overused at this point. Yeah, but at this point I'm just exhausted. Exactly. Yeah, I wasn't really in love with this. And of course, Carly's father is a lawyer, which then explains why she decides to talk. And I ask in this very moment, didn't they say that only kids with the highest privileges get access to the internet? Wasn't she about to get kicked out? Why would she have internet access? You're smarter than me and you're just as smart as Chloe. I completely missed that because I was... I, not interested anymore. Oh, I get that. But Chloe doesn't notice for another two scenes. Yeah, because they made her less competent in this episode. If I come up with it and it doesn't immediately get confirmed on the show, I'm confused because that's what usually happens. Usually we have the, oh, and in this moment I was going to ask about this and they just answered it to me. Or I say, oh, and why doesn't Lucifer do this? And then Linda goes like, Lucifer, you should do this. You know, it's yeah. this is what I'm used with this show and suddenly I'm like smarter Chloe Decker that's weird you're smarter than the writing and that is something we're not used to in season one and two and I feel like this is part of the thing that makes season three so hard for us at this point mm. so we're only four fourth episode in so hopefully it's three episodes three episodes well, number because, four yeah but oh, well. episode three was season two I it's a number four it's a number four as long as it's not a number two ah! Sorry, not sorry. That was... And you say that yeah, I make bad jokes. No, but this episode is exhausting to me. No, okay. I fully agree with everything you said. And it doesn't even get better in the next scene. It because does not. We still have a very high Lucifer who's kind of annoying in the background. Meanwhile, Ella and Chloe talk while digging. Ella's being super weird. And Ella being the pay attention to his actions, not his words. That doesn't make Pierce look any better. Does not, no. And I was like, okay, so I'm gonna just start doing that. If they're saying this, it probably means that they're gonna about to start showing us that he behaves differently than he speaks. And then they completely dropped it. Yeah. Because he starts talking differently. There is this moment which kind of threw me off a little bit when Ella does say the pay attention to his action and not his words. Chloe looks like she realized something and I'm not really sure what it was. It may have been the fact that Carly was on the internet. I think that was that, yeah. Must have been because... 
I made a note of it and then I didn't follow up anywhere. I don't remember realizing, oh, this, she must have realized this. Because to me, it was already old information because I already realized it the previous scene. I didn't really see what happened there or what was the direct solution of this. No, because in the next scene, we're back at the precinct and finally Chloe is back at her competent self. So I completely read her moment that she had in the sundial scene as her recentering, trusting her gut, focusing on what she knows how to do and being her competent self. Yeah, that would make absolute sense. Yeah. And so finally, now I have a question. Yes. Because Pierce sends Lucifer off, like, oh, take some time off, you earned it, blah, 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 in his usual shitty kind of way. And given the whole, ooh, you have so much tension in between you by Ella, I wondered, has all of Pierce's shitty behavior simply been a build-up so he would have an opportunity to be alone with Chloe outside of the precinct? That's like the worst way of handling anything ever. Yes, But do you see where I'm reading this from? I see it. I don't like it. And Me neither. <laughs> it would probably give a little bit more sense to his behavior. But it still sucks. And I don't mm-hmm. like it. Mm-hmm. I, in this scene, just thanked Chloe for finally asking the right questions. Yeah. And then I got frustrated with Pierce. So, <laughs> you know, Chase is Pierce. Ugh, was pretty much my note. May we go to Lux? To a actually good scene. To one of my favorite scenes this episode. Yeah. We are listening to a song called Party Like a Rockstar by Chase Bell. And in this scene we have done an Ames having a drink. And a conversation. I know I'm repeating myself and it seems like this is gonna be my repetition for season three. Dan is such a good friend. And I appreciate him and I wish him all the best. Yeah. But also, I have a question. Okay. Where does the fucking money come from that Lucifer uses? Thank you. Yes, Dan points it out as well. Finally, it gets acknowledged. This is my all cap statement (laughs) in my notes. Says Dan, thank you. The endless supply of cash indeed. Where does the money come from is my caps note. And I'm so grateful that the show finally asks this question. Because it already is in our list of questions. For a while. Since season one. And I want a fucking answer to this. Yes. Interesting bit about this is the way that Dan and Ames perceive Lucifer's life on a completely different level. That Dan talks about the women and the cars and the money and the partying. And you can clearly see that he thinks that Lucifer's life is just glory. And it's amazing. And I'm not saying that he's jealous, but you can see a spark of envy. And Ames hears this description and his first go-to is it's a lonely existence. What a terrible, lonely existence is what Amenadiel says. Thank you. I did not write the exact quote because it's a terrible, lonely existence is a reaction that we get from a brother, a family member, but yet somebody who doesn't really understand the world. So who is right Like, is it done with his fantastical ideas of Lucifer's life being amazing? Or is it aims with the lonely 
terrible existence. Dan only describes a certain part of Lucifer's existence, which is the superficial part of Lucifer's existence. The image he presents outwardly and what Dan describes does in fact have no depth or substance. And so based on the summary of Lucifer's life that Dan gives Amenadiel, Amenadiel is absolutely right in saying what a terrible lonely existence. But it's not all that Lucifer is. And then we end up this whole scene with Ames's statement, we all need someone to have our backs every now and then, which is something that we're gonna see a little bit more developed in the last scene. And I greatly appreciate that. And it's a setup yes. for something that I really, really liked in oh, this the, episode. The last scene is gonna take a bit of time to talk about, but I can't wait to get there. Sadly, we have to go through some other scenes first. So we go on a field trip with Chloe and Pierce. Chloe's feelings and emotions finally boil over in this scene. And it's good. She gets upset. She gets angry. She starts telling Pierce off, which is something I was hoping that was gonna happen about 15 episodes ago. Very satisfying. Definitely satisfying. And again, as I have mentioned in the first scene, it's not about him not giving her the position of the administrative job. It's not about that. It's about how he handled it. They're in the middle of this crazy argument when the fucker wants his face, shows up and shoots. And Pierce jumps in front of Chloe screaming, Decker, gun! And gets shot. And now there's another moment where I'm like, okay, how did that happen? Why did it happen? How is it possible that Chloe emptied her clip and she did not hit the guy once? I thought she was a good shot. Like, this whole scene is just... What? I enjoyed, just as you, Chloe speaking her mind, but I was not happy with the timing because, once again, Chloe is too competent to do this while they are potentially tracking someone dangerous. A killer. Like, yeah. this is not the time and place. And so I feel that she would not be doing that. And then we have the whole, you're one of my best. And that was not surprising. Of course. Okay, so I saw that coming. That was okay. Yay, whatever. I did not see the whole Pierce taking a bullet for her coming because I'm so not used to Chloe being this unaware of her surroundings. That's just not Chloe. And her not hitting the target. I mean, okay, she's lying on her side and she's shooting sideways or whatever. But yeah, she, she should have at least have clipped the man or something. And so Lucifer shows up and Chloe is being extremely dismissive to him him because she's so worried and occupied uh, about Pierce. And so this is finally the moment where we have the Lucifer is so busy with being his old pre-Chloe self that he is now losing touch with Chloe. And so this is where this episode finally is starting to give us direction and substance. But I'm sorry, this is a way too convoluted build up to this moment for me. That now yeah. we have strife between Lucifer and Chloe. Chloe, of course, is going to be extremely indebted in her mind to Pierce. And Pierce's reputation in the precinct is going to soar even higher because he saved someone else's life so he's gonna be even more of ooh, 
superhero dude whatever I don't even want to know how Ella talks about him in the future because this is gonna get so much worse I yeah so ugh. Lucifer suddenly is being his proper Lucifer self by figuring out where the dude is why he is there and making sure that he's not gonna get away and when we get to the marina Lucifer starts to confronting the guy and the guy draws the gun at him Lucifer moved really quickly and I heard this wing wishy effect this is weird did I just imagine that and I actually replayed it and as I was replaying it and listening to the wind wishy effect I'm like that's bullshit Lucifer doesn't have and then I realized <laughs> he actually does he does have wings now duh so that was my biggest hang up on this scene my biggest hang-up with the scene was that the asshole actually tried to blame the woman that he killed. Oh my god. That was my biggest issue with that scene. Like, seriously? I did not have an issue with that because he's the bad guy and of course he's gonna come up with a shitty excuse. Yeah, but still, that was just like, what? <laughs> yeah. Luckily, we get Ames showing up. Magically knows where Lucifer is. Well, he is his mission, so... I know, he's just, like, he knows. He can feel him in the marina. He knows. It didn't get better in the penultimate scene. I have a bunch of notes on this. Uh, most of them are, I hate this, you... So I have Ugh. one I throw up in my mouth. <laughs> Uh, note because it's because you're special. It just like it's gross. And also, as I have repeatedly stated throughout this episode, I am very appreciative of Dan. So Pierce giving him the union rep position that is for quote husbands is simply very mean to Dan. And so once again, I say fuck you, Pierce. Also, telling Chloe that this is what he thinks about the person that gets this position. Yeah. And then immediately having done walk in and say, oh, thanks for giving me the position. And Chloe's just like... The knowing glance that Pierce and Chloe exchange, because they are both in on the joke, basically, at Dan's expense. I hate everything about this. Mm-hmm. I very much hate the fact that Chloe, out of nowhere, seems to be falling over her heels just because Pierce did his job. Yeah, after distracting her. After putting her in danger by being there in the first place, I can guarantee you that she would not have been in that situation Yes, if he wouldn't have been there, if she was there alone. Exactly. And I hate the trope. I hate the yes. whole, but he saved my life and I'm in love with him now. It's stupid, it's dumb, and it's stupid. Yeah, and even if it's not I'm in love with him, it's the, oh, but now I see you differently than before. It's the, it's the bullshit. fucking, it's the fucking now, beauty and the beast. The, oh, there's something that wasn't there before. <sighs> now I will forever forget that you were t the biggest dick in the universe to me. Because he told me that I'm special and he saved my life life and so now we're gonna be best buds because usually I don't act like I'm a cliche blonde but now I'm gonna yeah and it's I hate stupid. I hate everything about this scene mm -hmm. we now move on into the final scene and this scene is 
good. The writing is good. The acting, of course, is great. Superb. The setup is amazing. The implications are wonderful. This scene is fucking brilliant. Mm -hmm. I agree. It does start with something that I hate in this episode, and that is Amenadiel coming up almighty, talking about him being tested and Lucifer being the test, and I fucking hate that. And I've mentioned that before, possibly once or twice. (laughs) The blind faith of Ames into my father wanted me there, or maybe father wanted me there in the marina. The blind faith is the thing that I do not understand. And it felt, honestly, like Lucifer didn't either. This interaction, it kind of starts, and the whole, he's a punisher. And I was gonna say, yes, yes, I agree with Emenadiel. He's punishing himself for not being there for Chloe. And then he went back straight away into, and this is my test, just bullshit, blah. And he lost me there. What didn't lose me was the song that started playing about around this time, which is by Jens Kuros, and it's very good. It's slightly depressing, and by slightly, I mean very. (laughs) The song's name is Spiraling. How fitting. Very much so. I understand why you have an issue with a manadeel in this moment, but... It's just tiring for me. It's not as much about what he's saying. It's more of like, I'm so tired of this bullshit already. To me, it makes perfect sense, and it fits... And it's the only reason why the rest of the scene works for me. Because otherwise it would feel even more unearned and baseless. Because while the content of the second half of the scene is brilliant, the episode up to this point does not justify Mm -hmm. this development. And so, for me, the beginning with a man deal, being his usual blind, preachy, faithful self, is what gives me the acceptable base for Lucifer going into the spiral. Yep. So, in the second half, we get a story from Lucifer. And at first, I'm like, who is he talking about? And then, with every single word that he says, it's becoming more and more clear that he's drawing an allegory on Amenadiel. And like the good masochist that he is. The slightest attention gave meaning to his pointless existence. Yep. It's so tough. It's my biggest condolences to Ames in this moment. Head tipping, hugging. I admire him for the way he reacted. Because we have never seen Lucifer being cruel for cruelness sake. Mm-hmm. And it is heartbreaking. And seeing a man ideal being his loyal and strong and stalwart self that we have seen in the past. Like, this is literally a manadeal standing in the door of Chloe's hospital room. Mm -hmm. And this is the best version of a manadeal that there is. And as heartbreaking as Lucifer's venom is it is so i don't even have a word for it it is so hopeful to see a man deal not only being 
able to suffer through his brother lashing out, but also being willing to still be there for him. It's basically when you have like a friend or a child or someone and they're having they're having a tantrum a and they're basically they're they're having a fit and they're like pounding on your chest or something. And you just take them in an embrace and you hold them tight and tight and tight and tight until they stop and they can start crying to actually release. Yes. And this is what this scene feels to me. This is mm-hmm. Lucifer pounding his fists on Amenadiel's soul and heart and Amenadiel standing there with open arms waiting for the moment he can embrace Lucifer to be there to catch him. And this was heartbreaking and this was wonderfully done. And this is the quality that I want from this show, that I expect from this show. And this is why I'm so angry with season three up to this point. Yeah, I understand that. Yes, to me, Lucifer is the wounded animal in the corner that is being surrounded by by people being kind to them and he doesn't understand he doesn't know how to accept that he doesn't know how to embrace it he doesn't know how to get attached yeah he's the self-destructive type he will throw a branch under his feet every single time he gets close to happiness and maybe it's not just him maybe it's the circumstances but if he would have accepted himself and if he would have accepted his chance for happiness, we wouldn't have never been in a situation like this. <laughs> That's true. We wouldn't have never show. Self-acceptance is something that not only angels have an issue with, but humans as well. So he's got this wounded animal vibe on him. And you have this little moment before Amenadiel starts speaking again, where Lucifer is ready to physically fight him. And I'm like, Ames, if you're gonna say one word about a test, I will be there with Lucifer punching you. I will, honestly. But luckily he doesn't. And he says what he says and he leaves. And this is the basis of Lucifer being, getting the love, the unconditional love that I don't think he has ever experienced in his life. Not on this level. And he doesn't know what to do with it. And I'm really, really, I'm really excited about where this is gonna go because this is something that he needs to deal with and I hope this is gonna break the whole self-loathing, over the wings, hating everything thing that he has going on right now. Because it is getting tiring. So if I talk about Lucifer and my hopes for him, I'm gonna start talking about my final general thoughts on the episode, which are not very good. <laughs> I I thought you were already in the general thoughts. Oh, so. no, no, no. This was still kind of connected to my last scene. But I do despise what is happening with Chloe and Pierce. This is just random behavior out of nowhere coming out. Chloe should not be this flabbergasted just by the fact that he saved her life because otherwise she would have been in love with half of the department. (laughs) This is not okay. It's just not okay. And with Lucifer much earlier. Obviously. That's another thing. Because Lucifer, as we said, literally the first thing he did when he met Chloe was he saved her life. And yes, it piqued her interest, but she did not go over, all over. Head over heels. so cute. No, she did not do that. So it's bullshit and I hate it. As I again mentioned throughout the episode regarding Lucifer, by the end of the episode, I was on the level and I was go 
going with what was happening, but it just felt really out of nowhere. And it just, again, proves that as much as I loved the Maze episode, it felt like some of the character development got thrown off the track by it. Like the whole Lieutenant Chloe thing or the Lucifer struggle. It's just, it did, it just, it fits, but it doesn't really fit. You know, it's like when you find a piece of a puzzle that is almost fitting. So you just kind of push it in and pretend that it was supposed to be there all the time. So this is kind of how the Mace episode feels right now. And speaking of Mace and all the other great characters like Linda or Trixie, none of them was in this episode. So boo, shame. Vero, mic drop. I'm done. So done with this episode. What can I say that I haven't already made abundantly clear during the episode? This was a bad episode on several levels and I'm not going to go into them again because I got into them in each and every scene. With the season two insert the week before, just like you said, this made it feel worse. Probably if we didn't have the maze episode, it would not feel as much out of character on several levels. But especially Lucifer's obsession during this one made no sense because in Mr. and Mrs. Mazakin Smith, he seems so at peace with himself. And now it's just a, a very strong 180. The final scene is the only saving grace about the episode. Apart, of course, from the horse moment. <laughs> What hurts? <laughs> While immensely painful, it is also very relatable and human in the way Lucifer lashes out against Amenadiel and him trying to discredit Amenadiel's willingness to take his abuse for the higher purpose of having Lucifer's back with the story that he shares with Amenadiel and then draws reference to him. I understand both sides here and Lucifer never had anyone have his back beside Mace and he keeps referring to her as demon especially in the last episode, which always seems kind of derogative to me. Mace is just a demon. And even though he appreciates her and he has said in the past that he loves her, she is still just a demon and he is an angel. Ames is another angel. He is of the same standing as Lucifer. He is the same quality of being. And until now, Lucifer did not have another angel take his side. I know that in Christian lore, other angels fell with Lucifer, but so far, in the Lucifer lore, Lucifer seems to have been acting more or less alone. And acknowledging that you want and need someone on your side is much easier thought in your brain than said or said aloud. And just because you can actually finally have what you want and need does not mean that you're willing or even able to embrace it and accept it, or even when you're willing to accept it, to accept it graciously. So this whole Lucifer part, boy do I feel you. <laughs> And Amenadiel now finding his purpose in standing with Lucifer, when up to this moment in the narrative he has always been his opposing force, and now supporting him is something that I really appreciate, also from a storytelling point of view. And I truly, truly hope that they do something good with it, because there are many ways to turn this horribly wrong. And given how season three with the first two episodes was, my hope is not that big. But who knows, maybe there is an Ildi episode just around the corner that <laughs> is gonna save season three and my hopes and expectations. Hey. And with this we say 
Thank you for listening. If you are curious, find us on the various social medias. We love interacting with you, either over there or when you send us emails to lucifer at taot-podcast.com. If you want to get even more personal and have secret chats with us on our exclusive Discord server, you can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash taotpodcast. We have a whole bunch of different rewards from early release to hours of bonus content. Yes, hours. If that sounds like too much pressure, you can help the show by leaving positive iTunes reviews. They really, really help. Or telling all your friends about us because nothing beats a personal recommendation. Thank you. Bye. Bye.